Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the big Wednesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We're doing brackets and brackets and brackets on this Buckeye Talk. It's not really going to be football. It's going to be a lot of football this week. We're writing football. There's a lot of football. We're texting football. There's a lot of football going on. We're going to do lots of football on the other podcast this week because spring football starting. But we're going to do two big brackets here. We're going to talk about our NCAA brackets. We filled them out. Who do we think is going to win the national title? Could the Big Ten win its first national title in two decades? We'll delve into that in the first part of this podcast. And then the thing that has me with a knot in my stomach. I'm so excited. I'm so nervous. I'm on edge. I'm worried I screwed it up. The 64-item gas station snack bracket is completed. And we will reveal it on this podcast. That will be for tech subscribers to vote on. I I used a lot of suggestions from the tech subscribers to shape this bracket into four regions. Salty snacks, baked good snacks, candy snacks, and hot slash cold. Either you're hot or you're cold. Those are the four regions, 16 items in each region. I have seeded them. We will not reveal the seeds because I don't want my seeds to affect the voting. But we got the matchups ready to roll. So it's just like Stephen is going to be Clark Kellogg and uh, Nathan is going to be who's the other guy on the show, on the reveal show, Seth Davis. You're Seth Davis and I'm the guy. I'm Greg Gumble. I'm revealing it and you guys are hearing it live. And you're going to react and think about, oh, I like I like that candy bar. I don't know what seat it is, but I like that candy bar to come out of the candy region. We'll do that in the second half. Also, we're doing a basketball bracket for listeners so in a little while after we talk about ohio state basketball for a while we'll tell you how you can try to be in our just for fun winner gets to be on buckeye talk i don't know if that's a punishment or reward we'll do that later you do have to sign up for the tech subscription because it's like the best way for us to get you the link but it's a 14-day free trial so it's free you sign up get in the bracket and get out if you want and we'll reveal that later because we've got to make your work a little bit but let's do our brackets first and let's start with Stephen Means. And actually, before the brackets, this idea. Stephen, 2000, last Big Ten championship, last Big yep. Ten basketball championship, right? Michigan yep. State. Michigan State. Since then, six Big Ten programs have played in seven 
NCAA national championship game. It's remarkable. Like, it's not like they stink. People would argue, I think in recent years, Steve, and I don't even know if people would argue, and Nathan, you have an opinion on this too. Stephen, first on this, like, is there any argument that the Big Ten is the best conference in college basketball the last couple of years? Is that, an, is that an argument anymore? Does the ACC, like, have a strong argument there? Or is it pretty clearly the Big Ten is the best conference top to bottom, strength at the top, depth to the middle? Yeah, no, Big Ten is the best conference. The ACC, I think, was extremely top-heavy because Duke and North Carolina of the world and Syracuse, they had NBA players. Well, there's no Zion or Brandon Ingram or Jason Tatum in the ACC this year. So, yeah, it's it's when you talk about, first of all, just the depth of the conference, like this year, there's four, there's four teams, five teams, as a matter of fact, who are in the top 15 of the Kim Palm rankings. And then there's two others who are in the top 60 as well. Nine teams in the tournament this year. I think they would have been there around that same number last year's tournament, the depth of it. But then also this year, the fact that you got four teams who are legitimate final four contenders. I mean, no other conference can claim that right now. Nathan, in recent history, right, the Izzo Final Four regular occurrences at Michigan State, the two peaks of the Michigan era, right, that they got to the national title game twice with different teams, the fad modest success at Ohio State, which is, you know, like a decade ago, but like, you know, they had a run there 15 to 10 to 15 years ago. And Purdue was always around. Purdue is not one of those teams that got to a national title game, right? The six Big Ten programs that have gotten to a national title game since Michigan State won are Ohio State, Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Michigan twice. Purdue's not one of them, but Purdue was in the mix all the time there for a while, right? Like, Nathan, did you feel like when you were covering Purdue basketball, when you were covering Big Ten basketball, which is not that long ago, did you feel like then that the Big Ten was the, the best basketball conference around? Or was it not quite at that level yet? And, and I think I think you may have also – you didn't mention Maryland, who wasn't a Big Ten team at the time, but they yep. made the – so in 2002. So um, did I think it, it ebbed and flowed a little bit. Uh, you know, it, there's obviously been a peak here these last couple of years. I think you can go back a few years, though, where the Big Ten wasn't that – impressive from from a wide standpoint right and i think they were struggling to get wasn't there a year where they only got four or five teams in uh not that long ago there's a down uh, here yep yeah yeah and and so <clears throat> there's ups and downs and the big 10 is really kind of hitting a peak right now and it's it's been building to this for a while i think you've seen it maybe in in the addition of coaches like chris holtman coming in from other places you know kind of you know trading up i suppose you would say although that model obviously was great but like being able to replace someone like him with someone like chris holtman who could keep those sorts of things going uh, the way that juan howard is hit i think it's been important that they've they've cycled out some strong coaches and cycled in some strong coaches and that helped them sort of build on the foundation that was already here so this really does seem like a moment for the big 10 where this is a tournament where if things go right for them, it's there for them to come back and command a place in the national landscape that I think people in the Big Ten have always felt a little bit that the Big Ten has been a little bit slighted, that it doesn't get the credit it deserves. Um, and it's the, the only difference is just not having that breakthrough to a national championship. So it's kind of probably impossible to understate how important that could be for just the brand and the respect of Big Ten basketball nationally, if it could finally break through and have one of those teams. I I think maybe, Stephen, I don't know if you could argue that this might be the best chance they've had at it. That 
and like, listen, Izzo, I'm trying to look it up now. I mean, Michigan State's had some really high seeds. They've had some really good teams. They've had some teams that clearly, you know, people picked them to win uh, the national title and they came up just short, right? So I think there have been years where people thought Michigan State could win the national title. I don't know that like people thought the Frank Kaminsky Wisconsin team was like really going to win the national title, right? I don't know that. Do people really think like the Trey Burke Michigan team was going to win the national title? I don't know. I mean, the Odin team for Ohio State had the talent, but you also had Florida as the defending national champ kind of sitting there. I think the fact that, A, I think the best team in the Big Ten is right there, but I think there's – we can discuss it. I don't know that Ohio State really has a chance to win the national title. I don't know that there's a lot of people out there picking Ohio State to win a national title. There's at least two Big Ten teams – that legitimately could win it, I think. So I think that the best team really has a chance. And I think there's more than one team that has a chance. It feels like this might be the Big Ten's best shot since 2000. And there's not a Kentucky, a Duke, a North Carolina, a Kansas. No offense to Gonzaga and Baylor. I know they both have really good players, both really good NBA players. But it's not maybe at least perception-wise, Stephen, it's not quite the same. Even if talent-wise it is, I don't know. But that contributes to me thinking like, yeah, Big Ten's got a shot here. Yeah, that's one of the factors. There's, there aren't a lot of blue bloods in it, and there aren't a lot of Hall of Fame coaches on top of that. I mean, the, the most – outside of Izzo, the most known Hall of Fame coaches are, are Rick Pitino, and he's at Iona, and they're not winning. And they're not going to do anything much in this tournament. So it, you don't have to deal with the blue bloods. There's not a lot of Hall of Fame coaches, but also – the four teams we're talking about here who are legitimate Final Four contenders, no matter how you feel about Iowa's defense, if they're, they're scoring 90 points a game, they're scoring 90 points a game. They could all four get to the Final Four before either of them have to play each other. That, so that, that up when you don't have to go through each other again until you get to that stage of things, it helps your cases because you've got a large number of teams who can do it, but also they don't have to beat each other up in order to get to that point. But obviously if you had to put in order of the chances – Illinois is obviously number one, Michigan number two. They, they, Michigan would probably be what one B if Isaiah Livers was still playing, but those are clearly the top two. And then Ohio State, Iowa, in that order of Ohio, of the Big Ten's best chances of winning a, a national title, go through those four. Is Livers out? He's just as he done, or might he come back? They have not said officially he's out. He talked after I think the Ohio State game. He talked to their media. He said it, he just reaggravated something that had already been there, but there's no official word on whether he's going to play again or not. I thought I saw something where he said that it would be miraculous if he played or something yeah. like that. So he doesn't sound super optimistic about it. That's unfortunate. And, and again, I don't want to get too far out ahead with recency bias. Michigan State was a two seed the last time there was a tournament and got to the final four and lost to Texas Tech in the final four. They beat, beat Duke by a point in the regional final in a one versus two seed game and then had Texas Tech. It's like, all right, Texas Tech, I get it. And they lost Texas Tech. So it's like, you know, once Michigan State was in the in the final four, people were like, oh, Michigan State might win it all. Michigan State's been there a lot and they just haven't quite gotten over the top. But I just I just think it's a really good opportunity. And Stephen and Nathan, I, it's one of those things like let's start with you, Nathan. Do we overemphasize it? Right. I mean, we overemphasize the tournament because it's the, maybe it's arguably the greatest overall event in sports because, the you know, for everybody's and everybody already knows. So it gets so much attention. It's so fun. It's obviously maybe not the most indicative way of finding the best team champions, a champion, 
but people love upsets. People love underdogs. Often the best team doesn't win. The fact that we're talking about seven times in the last 20 tournaments, the big tens had got to a final. Like that's awesome. Like is, does this drought two decade drought actually mean anything? Or is it like, listen, they're good. They have good players. They have good coaches. They have good teams. They just like lost. And it's not because they choked. It's not because they have a style of play that doesn't work in the tournament. It's not because there's such a talent deficit that they get there and they have one NBA guy and they lose to four NBA guys every single time. Is it just something that happened or does it tell us something or, and, or does it really mean something? I think it's possible that we have, um, underemphasized the things that you're talking about as far as, you know, seven title games in 20 years, there's just a lot of final fours sprinkled in there too. Uh, a lot of them from Michigan state, but you've had other programs getting to final fours in years that didn't make the championship game too. So it, I feel like it, it always kind of feels like there's a big 10 team in the final four, almost like it, it, that seems like a pretty regular mark. And I think that means something. And, and as much though, as I agree with what you're saying, that there are a lot of things that can be, it can be luck. You got, things have to go your way. I do think, like the Big Ten not making a Final Four in a given year is not a big deal, and maybe even on a short span. I do think, though, like not having a, a not having a champion after two decades, when you're supposed to be, you know, one of the, the the few premier conferences in the country, and you're trying to present yourself as maybe the best in the country. I, I think that maybe does say something. I, I think it, it, and I don't know now. The natural follow-up to that is so you got to diagnose it, right? So what what is the thing that's lacking? I think that's a little bit tougher to diagnose, but maybe it is just kind of some of the things you're talking about as far as like those upper echelon, like once in a lifetime, real, you know, in, incredible players. Uh, maybe those guys are just not getting into the Big Ten as often as they're getting into some other conferences. And it, 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 the Wisconsin example is a great one, I think. Like that Frank Kaminsky team. It was a great team that was back to back final fours that was, you know, getting into a championship game. But then who do you run into? You run into Kentucky, which seems like a little bit of a different animal in a way, just in terms of the way that it it um, attracts. And I wouldn't even say develops talent, but just the way that it attracts talent and is able to just kind of utilize talent. Um, and it's guys who are only there one or two years and they get out and they're on to the NBA. But that maybe is that final roadblock that the big 10 just hasn't been able to pierce. Do you agree with that, Steven, that that maybe has been a roadblock and then, and then maybe is the second part of that question. As you said, there's not a blue blood with that kind of talent there. Yes. Baylor and Gonzaga might have it, but is that the opening we're looking for, for the big 10? I think so. I, I, for one, yeah, I do think it's important. They need to get over the hump for a little bit. Just to point it out per power five conference, the ACC's last championship was 2019 with Virginia, uh, the SEC 2012 with Kentucky, the, the Big 12, Big 12 was 2008, and then Big East was 2018 with a uh, Villanova. But I've, Pac-12 hasn't won one since 1997, so it's not like the like the Big Ten has the longest job. It's just an interesting conversation because of how depth and how deep the conference is every single year. But I do think to Nathan's point, where there's always a roadblock of a school who's getting five stars. Wisconsin losing to Duke, losing to Duke, who had Tyus Jones and Jaleel Okafor and such and such. Uh, Louisville wasn't quite the same way, but that, that Michigan team was the Trey Burke show, obviously. I think that's where Michigan comes into play here because they can be – they're not a blue blood per se, but they can be the school where the five stars go in the Big Ten. 
because of Jawan Howard. They already have the number one class in the country for the 2021 recruiting class. He's already that's the one thing that that he is doing that John Beeline wasn't doing. John Beeline took three star and lower rated four star guys and turned them into a championship contender. Uh, Jawan Howard can walk into your house as a guy who who was a member of the five five and an NBA veteran and can get that five star to come. So that's I think where he comes into play and allows the Big Ten to maybe rival what Duke and Kentucky and UCLA in its heyday were doing when they were getting these five stars. No, I agree with that. I I think that's a very good point that that there may be a time um, very soon when Michigan is thought of in that same way that that. That I guess Izzo, right? I mean, Izzo's right there. He's like, there might, you know, it's one of those things like, are they there? Are they all the way there? It's they almost are. a little bit like, like Ohio State versus Clemson and Alabama in the football thing. It's like, in, in some ways, you could put Michigan State right with all those best teams. And in some other ways, you'd be like, no, Duke's a little higher. They don't right? recruit the same. That's what yeah. the difference is. It's, he, Tom Izzo wins in a more traditional Big Ten way. He just does it on a national scale sometimes. Really, just like Clemson for both of the bulk of the decade up into the last couple of recruiting classes where they're winning, but not necessarily – they're beating Alabama, but not recruiting like Alabama. Michigan State beats Duke and beats Kentucky and beats North Carolina, but they don't recruit like them. So I don't know if you can put them on the same pedestal as them, while with Michigan – not to ever compare Michigan and Ohio state, but the idea of what their recruiting base could be like can rival just like Ohio state's recruiting base can rival Alabama's. No, I think that's, I mean, like, again, that's what Juwan Howard's doing, what Jim Harbaugh isn't. And I do Mm -hmm. think very shortly, Michigan may be at a place where they're with anybody, but doesn't Michigan state have like the best player in the country coming in, in this class? Well, well, I mean, yeah, in theory, as long as the NBA is still, yeah, as long as the NBA still keeps him out. Yeah. He's coming. Well, I mean, the G League thing makes things interesting as well, though. Yeah, that's the thing. College basketball is hard. I'm looking at like projected NBA draft lists and there's all these G League guys, you know, which is just like, again, as an old man who doesn't follow it as closely as I once did, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that a little bit. Um, All right, we're going to go through our brackets and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I want to get to the snack bracket. I told Stephen before the show, I spent two hours on the snack bracket and two minutes on my NCAA bracket. But we do want to go through this. Everybody has a bracket. Everybody has an opinion. We may as well run through this a little bit and tell you what we're thinking. And again, after we run through these brackets, we'll tell you a little bit on how you can join us um, and do our uh, tech subscriber bracket with us, which will be fun. So, And the winner gets to be on Buckeye Talk again. Whether that's a reward, I do not know. Let's start in the Gonzaga region, the West, where Gonzaga is the one seed. And we don't, I don't want to run through every single game um, one by one. Gonzaga is, I think, I mean, clearly Gonzaga is the team, right? I mean, if you go through expert brackets, Gonzaga, I think, is going to be the team that is the team that is picked most often to win this thing. So let's jump to that regional final where we have Gonzaga is the one seed in this bracket. Iowa is the two seed. Kansas is the three And who's the four? Virginia is the four. This is an interesting bracket because Kansas and Virginia are two of the teams that immediately jumped up and sort of had COVID issues right off the bat. And they're the three and four seeds in this bracket. So I don't know what that means. I don't know what the result's going to be. It has created a question mark here as we report by 1 1 p.m. on Tuesday. 
I don't know if this creates an opening at all for Iowa as the two seed in this bracket. Nathan, who's your regional final in the West region here? So my regional final is Gonzaga against Oregon. And this was a a case where as I'm filling out a bracket, I basically do all my quote unquote analysis and get to the end. And then I see, I, I look back and if things look too chalky, I look for where it's the easiest. I look for where I can, I can most easily change that chalk. If you think about, you know what I mean? Like the matchup that could actually tweak that. And the one, and so I originally had, if I was just looking at like some base matchups, I had Iowa getting to the elite eight, which is something I don't actually really believe in anyway, for people who've been listening to this pod the last couple of weeks, they're a program that I, I just maybe have a, a built in skepticism about, but Oregon has been coming along strong. Oregon has been playing uh, hot here these last couple of weeks, uh, the one eleven, the last 13 coming in um, a, 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 an older team. So that was just kind of why I thought that maybe they're a team that's going to seize the moment and get into that regional final. There's I think seven, it's a very, seven seed. There are seven seeds. It's a very interesting pick. Again, because if you have any questions about Kansas and Virginia, this all of a sudden, and you have questions about Iowa, just because kind of how they're built, this suddenly becomes a region where you can start looking for a lower seed to maybe get, get to the regional final. Steven, who's your regional final in the West? Yeah, I can zag as well, but I went with USC as my other team who would need to go, they would need to beat Kansas in the second round if Kansas gets there. But then also I have Iowa getting upset very early. Uh, there's always a two seed that doesn't get out of the first weekend. And I think Iowa, just how they play, if their offense goes cold, they can't get stops. So, uh, and so they're the team that doesn't get out the first week and they end up getting upset in the second round. But I, I think USC has got, uh, got an NBA player, got a top five draft pick. And around this time is when you see these one and done Freshmen around the country, five stars start popping and start showing you, oh, that's why they've been a top five pick on every single mock draft you've seen for the past two years. Okay, now I get it. And Evan Mobley might be that. And I think it's he might. He's already actually been showing it. He was the Pac-12 player of the year and freshman of the year player of the year as well. So this might be a time where he starts arriving a little bit and solidifying himself as a top five, top three pick. Seven footer. Lot of trouble. 26 points in each of his last two games. I said I spent two minutes in my bracket. I like where both you guys are with this. I think I think both of those picks make a lot of sense, and I think this is the bracket where you get a little wide open. I have Kansas as a three seed against Gonzaga, but I think I, think I actually like both the USC and Oregon picks better. Um, if I had to pick it again, and I could pick it again because it's a fake bracket for no money that hasn't locked – but I like the USC idea with Mobley slightly better than Oregon, but I like, I like both of them. And I think I, I think the idea of them both winning and like that matchup coming that seven Oregon beats the two Iowa and six USC beats the three Kansas. And that's a sweet 16 game. Six versus seven makes a lot of sense, but I do have Gonzaga getting out. Steven, do you have Gonzaga getting to the final four out of this bracket? I do. This is the most talented roster Mark, Mark Fuse had. They're leg- this isn't a, a good college roster. This is an elite basketball roster with NBA players fluttered on, littered all over it. Jalen Suggs, I'm looking at nbadraft.net. They have him as the projected number three pick in this draft right after Nose, uh, Mobley. And then uh, what's his name? Corey Kispert. They have him as like a mm-hmm. mid-round, like a top 10 pick. So that's, that's two guys projected as lottery picks off this Gonzaga team. Nathan, do you have Gonzaga in the final four? 
I, I, yeah, I do for, for a lot of those same reasons, just a kind of a, an elite roster that this is almost sort of feels like what they've been building. I know they've been to the final four before and been to a championship game before, but this feels like it might be potentially the apex of this program. Yeah, I have Gonzaga. I mean, I think I think that's what a lot of people are going to wind up with. I think this is a bracket where you have an opportunity to have, to have a goofy team opposite Gonzaga in the regional final. But I bet like 90% of people are going to have Gonzaga in the final four. And then it's a question of, are you going to get off them in the final four? But how can you not have them this far, especially with the Kansas and Virginia questions popping up? So I think where we are with this bracket is where a lot of people are going to get. The winner of that bracket will play the East, right? Is that right? Yeah. We'll play the East. Michigan is the one seed in the East. Florida State is that four seed. Bama is the two seed. And the three seed here is uh, who's the three seed? Texas. Oh, Texas. Texas. This is the football bracket. It's Michigan, Alabama, Texas, and Florida State as the top four seeds in this bracket. I, I thought that was funny as it came up that it's like, this is not, this is not like the big East, like Butler, Creighton, Gonzaga, right? Like basketball. This is football teams that also play basketball pretty well. Steven, who's your regional final in this Michigan East bracket? I went Michigan, Alabama. I think Michigan is talented enough even without Isaiah Livers to get to an elite eight. There's an, I mean, Hunter Dickinson is still there. They've, they're deep. I think there's enough there, but then Alabama is just, uh, that's a really good b- basketball team. I mean, as, I think Nick Saban is probably somewhere up in the press box somewhere secretly running that team, the way they've been so successful this year, but they're a deep team as well. I think they've been the best team in the sec all year. Um, so we get a football matchup in the, in the, in the elite eight there for me. I don't know. This is just off the top of my head. It feels like sometimes, I mean, like, Mac Mac coach flavor of the month is a thing that happens in basketball yeah. and football. And often it's like a Mac coach makes a little NCAA tournament run and they get hired. And Nate Oates had a good Buffalo team mm-hmm. and got hired at Alabama, but like, he's the real deal. Like that's like, that's like a good hire Alabama. And again, everybody talks about the Ken Palm ratings. There was a time like five years ago when like, or 10 years ago when like Ken Palm ratings were a secret. Now it's like everybody, everybody looks at the Ken Palm ratings. He has adjusted offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive efficiency. The famous stat is that since the Ken Palm rating started, seven of the 18 national champions have been in the top 20 in both offense and defense. So when you're picking your national champion, you look for that balance Alabama is not quite there, but they are the number two defensive team in Kem Palm defensive rating. So they're going to get after you on this. They're number 34 in offense. I think this is a region where a lot of people are going to have Alabama coming out of this. So, Stephen, you have Michigan and Bama as your regional final. We'll get your pick on that in a second. Nathan, who's your regional final here? So I also agree to Steven as far as Michigan still being able to get to an elite eight. I had questions about them because of the, the Livers thing. And at the same time, I couldn't, I didn't have a lot of faith in the teams and the, what, what me and my buddies like to call the under bracket to take them out in those, those early rounds. So I still have them in the elite eight, but this was another one where I got to the end and thought my bracket was too chalky and didn't want to have as many ones as I originally did going to the final four. So again, I started looking kind of inside the bracket and, uh, for a for a region that is lo- loaded with football teams, I'm taking a non-football team um, to be the other lead eight team here, and that is UConn. 
which has uh, another team that seems to be kind of seizing a moment. They got a guy, uh, James Bonite, um, a sophomore guard who's pretty strong, a good front court team as far as offensive rebounding and uh, blocks and things like that. Um, and uh, a team that I think could cause some matchup problems, but also uh, obviously a little bit of a flyer. Good place to look for flyers. I like it. I think this region, I think there's a chance here. I got, I got even goofier and I don't know when this bracket locks and I think the play the play in games are always hard, right? Of like, are, how far are you really going to take a play in team without knowing who the play in team is that wins? So you can have a whole theory, but we've also seen that those play in teams who, who usually play in Dayton, but they're playing any this year. The, the, one of them usually does something. So if you can wait a little bit on your bracket, I am going to reserve the right to switch my bracket a little bit. At the moment, my regional final is Michigan, Michigan State. That is Izzo. Like, oh, oh, you, oh, you want us to play in? You want us to play in? You want us to play in? Oh, we'll play in. We'll play in. So it's Michigan State, UCLA as an eleven play-in game in that region, and and I have Michigan State winning that game, beating number six BYU, beating number three Texas. Texas has like a top ten NBA guy and six eleven Kai Jones. I think that makes this interesting too, especially if you wind up in a sweet 16 game with Alabama's defense against that guy from Texas, who maybe isn't a huge scorer, but he's a problem, right? He's a problem, Steven, one way or another. Yeah. But I have Michigan state beating Texas, Michigan state beating Alabama. And, and that's my big 10, Woo, big 10, Michigan, Michigan state in the regional final. I, I'll, I'll slightly reserve the, the right to think about that a little bit. Cause I, you know, I want to beat these freaking texters in our bracket. No offense but I want to drum you. But again, there's room here, but we all have Michigan in this regional final, right? Steven, yep. do you have Michigan in the final four, Steven? I do not. This is where missing Isaiah starts hurting is when they get to the elite eight. I think Alabama's that good. As you've already pointed out, top 10 in both offensive and defensive uh, efficient, adjusted efficiency in, in the no, 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 not, ranking. Not, not, they're not top. They're not in offense. They're not in offense. They are in. No, defense. you're not. You're not in, de- in defense. You're right. I was. In defense, I'm, look, I'm looking at. Mich- I'm looking at Michigan's. Wow, Michigan. Michigan six and is seven. one. Of, Michigan is one of the four teams, right? The Magic Four that are yeah. top twenty in both are Michigan, Illinois, Gonzaga, and Houston. Yeah. Alabama is second in defense, thirty fourth in offense, which is which is decent on offense and great defense. Right, and when you're playing a team who's missing their second best offensive weapon, that defense becomes a little bit more stifling, and this is where you know that comes into play a little bit more. Missing great players becomes a bit a bigger issue the deeper you get into the NCAA tournament. So that's why I went with Alabama. But also for the sake of Big Ten, I also have the Michigan State UCLA playing game, getting to the Sweet 16 and losing to Alabama. But depending on when this locks, if UCLA wins that game, I'm switching that and I'm just yeah, gonna might, put Texas through. I might I might do that too. I'm gonna reserve that right as well. Steven, you have teased this a couple times on your Twitter. I have the idea of in the 2006-2007 sports year, academic year, Ohio State and Alabama played for the national title in both football and basketball. We know Ohio State – did I say Ohio State and Alabama? Ohio State and Florida yeah. played for the national titles in both sports in the 2006-2007 year. We know here in 2020-21 that Ohio State and Alabama played for the football national title – and you keep tweeting things like it's still alive. It still could yes. happen. And Ohio state and Alabama are both two seeds in this tournament. Like it's not crazy. So we're not getting ahead of ourselves, but 
so far, your bracket has kept alive that possibility that you keep teasing. I want to thank the selection committee, as I tweeted out, for making this possible and not just taking it away from us. I, I think it, it would just be interesting, I, again, to, to once again, Ohio State's football and basketball programs are both really good on a national scale and both reached the national championship game with a chance to play an SEC team who was also really good on a national scale in two different sports. I just think it would be, first of all, I would love to write that story, but also it would be interesting to see all the, I remember where I was in 2007 when Ohio State lost to Florida twice in four months. I, I just, it, so thank you for keeping it alive. I'm, we'll get to where I, I whether I think it's going to happen or not, but I am happy to see it still has a chance. It wasn't just taken away from us. The interesting thing here is that that, as, as the SEC has dominated college football, and as Alabama has risen up as the preeminent program in college football, that was always one thing that a program like Ohio State had as an athletic department over Alabama. Alabama was not good at basketball. When you talked about the programs that do both, and you want to talk about Michigan or Michigan State or Ohio State, right, or Florida back then, you did not talk about Alabama. Alabama, I think, only made two NCAA tournaments in like the previous 13 years. They had a, a, a Mark Godfrey run that was decent. He made like five straight tournaments um, in the early 2000s. Then he got fired. They brought in Anthony Grant for one, two, three, four, five, six years. He only made one tournament. Then Avery Johnson, one, two, three, four years. He only made one tournament. Now this is year two of Nate Oates. They were about a 500 team last year, and now they're a two seed like Steven. That the weird thing about the SEC is that it is a football conference. And then it had one basketball team that mattered. That was a basketball school that was not good at football. So it was like Bama, LSU, Florida, everybody like that in football. And then Kentucky took care of the basketball stuff. Do you think this could be sustained by Alabama? Again, we said, seems like they've maybe got a guy. I don't know anything about Alabama's basketball recruiting. And I don't expect you to know anything, Stephen but this is a big time athletic department. Could this be the rise of Alabama basketball? I'm going to lean no, as far as from a national, like playing this well every single year. But I think from an sec standpoint, I do think it's possible to have a second or third really good sec school. Who's not Kentucky. Now it might take Kentucky having a year like this to, to allow that to happen. But I do, I mean, Florida, for a long time was that Tennessee has had some moments as Tennessee's well. He's been good. Yep. Yeah. LSU. I mean, Auburn, Auburn that's had some moments. Right. So I, I think the idea that Kentucky is the basketball school in a football conference, but then some of these more football schools every couple of years kind of pop up and our elite eight final four level teams is something that's reasonable to under, to think about in that conference where in that area, especially with that re- hotbed recruiting area, most of those kids play football anyway. But I do think this is a, a route right now. It's Alabama. Maybe in a couple of years here, it'll be Georgia. And it is one of those things we've talked about at Ohio State a million times. These basketball recruits come in the fall and they take them to a football game. And they say, look at this stinking place. Look at this. People are crazy here. They love sports. You know, and it's like the foot, the basketball coaches over time. It's a, There's a lot in common. I mean, ba- Ohio State has clearly been a better basketball program. And it is an insult to Ohio state basketball to compare Alabama basketball to Ohio state basketball. But if you are coming from the Alabama 
basketball perspective, you would look at Ohio State and say, they do it, let's do that. And what that is, is not having the fact that basketball is second to football, having that not be a detriment, but using it in its own way to its, its advantage, right? Suck up the energy of what it means to be part of this, this athletic department, take some of the pressure off because it's not laser focused and Hey, it's not national title or bust every year. Right. If you do it the right way and the, and the, the coach has to be the right coach too, that he doesn't get mad. Chris Holtman gets asked about football all the time. Ryan day never gets asked about basketball. You can't get mad because you got to live in the world and you do have resources because football makes so much money that you, it helps with your resources. So you have resources and you have fans who care about sports. So if you can use that the right way, Ohio State's the blueprint for Alabama. And I'll be very curious to see if Nate Oates can do at Alabama what really hasn't been done before. That at least, you know, when Thad Mata got here, you know, Jim O'Brien had had some success and Randy Ayers has had some success and they had won a national title in the 60s, right? Like, wasn't a ton of recent success, but they'd done it. I, I don't know that Alabama's really ever done it. So, like, I think to monitor, um, that's Wimp Sanderson. He wore plaid coats. I remember him. I forgot about Wimp. Shout out to Wimp. To the point of you talking, not getting mad when you get asked football questions. Funniest conversation of the day I had Sunday before the game, watching them warm up, and Holtman comes over and he's talking to me and Adam Jardy, and um, it's clearly an Illinois cloud crowd. It's it's not even. It's just basically an Illinois home game on Sunday. It's it's and, he, and when the game got close, you could really feel it. But um, he's looking around at the crowd trying to find the Ohio State fans because they had a pretty good crowd for the, the majority of the weekend. But on Sunday, Illinois just took over. Um, and he goes, yeah, it's like this because they're a football school. They're a basketball school and we're a football school. And I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's fair. That's fair. But you see that small little section? That's your fans. I'm like, yeah, this, this went. He's like, yeah, this went about, about how I thought it was going to go today. Yeah. No, but did he seem mad or did he seem okay? No, he seemed like he completely understood that this is how this was going to go. The Ohio State fans traveled well for a basketball game, while Illinois, a basketball school, you know, showed out. Alabama's never made the Final Four. So there's that. So just shout out to Alabama not being Ohio State basketball, but Ohio State basketball should be their goal. Okay. Stephen has Alabama. Stephen has Alabama making history. Woo! Roll Tide. Tim May's excited. Nathan, who do you have in the Final Four from this region? So like I was saying before about looking for, you know – flyers on your bracket and not being too chalky i figured i had to have one team outside of one or two seed which is what i had in all my other regions so i'm taking the huskies to make the final four and if you i, I try to find teams Who, which oh connecticut connecticut taking yukon to make the final four i, I and, and i try to find teams that are under seeded that that are that are better than the seed that they were given um ken palm you were mentioning that top 20 uh, stat about you know teams top 20 offensive defense I think UConn is 24 in offense and 25 in defense so they are right on the cusp of that there's another site that I use Haslam metrics guy named Eric Haslam who I think is in Wisconsin or something like he's, he's somewhere in the Big Ten I believe um, does a lot of this metrics he actually has them as a top 20 team in both of his um, adjusted offense and defense and had them uh, as a team that should actually be a five seed as opposed to the seven they actually have so um, I that's 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 they're my big flyer this year is is Connecticut kind of returning to national prominence. 
It's a really good flyer. Ken Palm overall rating for Connecticut is 16, which would be a four yep. seed, not a seven seed. Right. So I, if you're looking for the underseeded team, it sounds like you're right, Nathan. They, they, they might be just legitimately, they're a seven who looks a lot more like a five. So I think that's a good pick. I have Michigan in the final four because I'm not going to Michigan State. I said I had Michigan, Michigan State in the Elite Eight. So I'm picking Michigan in the final four. So, um, but I think, I mean, I wish, I mean, we all wish it. You wish it all the time. I just hate it for everybody. I hate it when you're not your best. So this is one of those things, right, Stephen? It's like, Nathan, you had mentioned like, you know, Isaiah Livers said like, oh, it'd be a miracle. It's like, I don't know. Sometimes miracles happen with this stuff that it's like all of a sudden, like he doesn't play in the first three games and it's like he's warming up pregame for the regional final. And they're like, is he going to play? Is he going to play? What the? It's a little bit like jail. It's a little jail and waddle going on here, right? That may, maybe he's not going to play 28 minutes, but does he, can you give you a little something? And listen, I don't like risking amateur athletes, health and welfare. So like, please be careful, Michigan, do what's best for him. But I'm going to leave that out there a little bit. But I think to your point, Steven, it's not impossible for Michigan to make the final four without him, right? Like they're good. Howard's good. They're good. They've got some stuff. They don't absolutely have to have him to get to the final four. This is still a top five team in the country without him on the floor. Okay. But his value of a, as a score, but then also just what he his leadership on the court is what you're missing. But yes, to the point of there's definitely a scenario out there where he shows up in the elite eight, plays 12 minutes and scores 20 points. And that is why they end up winning a national title down the road. Yeah. I, I, that, that sounds, that sounds in range of a possible thing to me. All right. We'll come back with the second half of our, second half of our basketball brackets after this on Buckeye talk and then ahead 64 items, snack bracket to be released down the road on Buckeye talk. Doug Maurice back with Stephen means and Nathan Baird will save the Ohio state region for last. That means we're going to the Midwest where Illinois is the one seed. Houston is the two seed. West Virginia, the three, Oklahoma State, the four. That's Oklahoma State with likely number one pick in the NBA draft, Cade Cunningham. Again, the Ken Palm thing, top 20 in both ratings. Two of the four teams are in this region, Illinois and Houston. They're the one seed and the two seed. Nathan, who's your regional final in this? It it is a very chalky regional final. I have Illinois against Houston. Steven, who's your regional final? Illinois against West Virginia. I am not sold on Houston. I think they're good, but they haven't played anybody. I don't like Kelvin Sampson. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought it was a weird hire for Indiana when he hired him. I I thought he sort of screwed up Indiana. I mean, like with the NCAA stuff that he sort of had at Oklahoma and then it was more at Indiana and like, I don't know. I mean, I guess guys get stuff. And then he went to the NBA and was like an NBA assistant for a while. And then he goes sort of revitalized his career and came back to Houston. But like, I like five slam a jamma, but like, I can't, I just, I, I just, I'm not like, I have, I have a thing against Houston a little bit here. And maybe that's not fair, but whatever. Nobody cares what I think. Anyway, I have San Diego state against Illinois um, looking for, for something a little different here. San Diego state is the sixth seed. In the Ken Palm overall rankings, overall ratings, they are 20th. They're 11th in defense and 44th in offense. I couldn't name a single player on their team. But if I'm not picking Houston as that two seed, I'm looking, I'm looking for somebody there. 
Um, and that's who I landed on. But I want to talk about one specific game in this region before we get to our final four pick. Clemson Rutgers is a 7-10. And again, we can't avoid the basketball. I mean, the, foot, the football stuff here. It's like two. This is two athletic departments that we talk about a lot on Buckeye Talk because of football, Nathan. Clemson is the seven. Rutgers is the 10. I'm not sure Rutgers isn't better. And I, I picked Rutgers to win. I think Rutgers is going to win this game, and that's going to be a big deal for them, Nathan. I also picked Rutgers to win this game. And, uh, again, just, just a moment like that. I mean, you're talking about – a, a team that has been off the radar, even in a basketball way, they were, uh, they're potentially one of the feel good stories here. I think of this tournament, the, just the fact that they're back here. I mean, last year uh, of all the teams that really got robbed of something and everybody did, everybody who was supposed to be in the tournament got robbed of something, but that Rutgers really had a moment last year and, and broke through in an important way. I thought in the big 10 and we're, we're potentially a team that could have made some noise and then didn't get to have the tournament at all. So I think for, for them to get in this year, I think they're underseeded, or maybe even even if that's an accurate seed, because once you get down to seven, eight, nine, ten, there I don't know if there's a huge separation sometimes, but I, I think they are the better team. I think they're going to win that game. They are Rutgers is the ten seed. They are thirty four overall in Ken Palm. Clemson as the seven seed is forty two overall in Ken Palm. So if that matters, Stephen, you were saying you also have Rutgers beating Clemson. I have Rutgers getting to the Sweet Sixteen. That is how much you doubt Houston. One hundred percent. I think Rutgers is gonna is, is beating Houston in that second round. I think one. I think Rutgers is better than this ten seed, but I do think Rutgers, where they're at, this ten spot is a good indicator to as we watch this tournament of how good the Big Ten really is, because I we just had a conversation about the Big Ten being the best conference in college basketball. Who, but at the same time, are they good because it's quality basketball games every night? And it's coming down to the last four minutes in almost every single game because part of this is then a lot of these teams get into the tournament and they don't do much. You know, yes, we we just talked about a long list of tournament te- of tournament teams who ended up in a national championship. But if you run through that list, it's a small group of teams. It's basically three or four teams who are who make up that list of national championship appearances, while everybody else is typically out in the first or second round. And so I think Rutgers being a ten seed in a position where they can make some noise and maybe get some upsets it will be a good indicator of is Rutgers only viewed so low because they played in a conference with four of the top 10 teams in the country, or is this, is it really just the big Ten's top heavy every single year and they know how to beat up on each other. So I also don't think it matters all that much who you're figuring out as you get to this regional final, because I think, I don't know where everybody is. Illinois as a final four team is almost as much of a lock to me as Gonzaga is in the other one. And that Nathan, I think a lot of people do what you do and you sort of start looking for where can I get off the chalk? I just don't know how anybody can get themselves off Gonzaga getting to the final four and Illinois getting to the final four with Houston as the two here, right? Like who else is going to do this? West Virginia as the three Oklahoma state as Cade Cunningham. They're the four seed. They would be the Sweet 16 game for Illinois. That guy's the best player in the country. I, I get it. I just think it's like Illinois, and I didn't think about it much, Stephen. Maybe it's because I'm dumb, but it just was obvious to me. I went through, and I was like, well, I know where Illinois is going, and then I'll figure out the rest of this bracket. But Illinois in the Final Four is a slam dunk in my mind. I've seen Illinois play two times in person, and the other time on TV. Io is, is really good. Kofi's a big a big. That's a grown man playing college basketball, which is kind of not fair. This is 
for me, that's, I mean, this is the best team in college basketball right now with the way they're playing, even considering what Gonzaga has done going undefeated. Watching Illinois in person and seeing some of the competition they've had to play to earn this one seed, this is the best team in the country. And I think the second best, the problem is the second best team in this region is Oklahoma State, and they have to play each other before they get to an Elite Eight. Nathan, you also have Illinois in the Final Four? No. This was the one where I tried to talk myself into the chalk. Uh, because I really wanted, you know, I grew up in central Illinois. Uh, my family is Illinois fans. There's a part of me that would love to see Illinois uh, get in the final four and maybe win this whole thing. It would be a, a big thing for that state. They've, they've come close a couple times in my lifetime and, and just weren't able to, to finish it off. But when I kept running the numbers, crunching my numbers, I kept coming up with Houston being the team that I think would get out of this region and into the final four. They're another team there. They, they, as you mentioned before, they qualify as one of those double top 20 teams in Ken Palm and get that other site that I was talking about. I think they're actually a top 10 team in offensive defense efficiency. I understand what Steven is saying, questioning the, the strength of their schedule. Um, at the same time, that's why you have these uh, analytics sometimes is because they, correct for that a little bit. They take strength of schedule into to account. And uh, I don't like Kelvin Sampson either. I think it, he's kind of slimy um, and um, uh, just not a very honest person, obviously. But he has, uh, he has won in the NCAA tournament. He knows how to take teams deep in the NCAA tournament. He's done it on multiple occasions. And um, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to pick it, but I'm taking Houston to get out of this region. I love when there's like – huge disagreements yeah. in brackets like this is Steven has Houston losing to Rutgers. <laughs> Nathan I has Steven's Houston right. in the final four. Like this is that second round game is where who's going to be higher in our uh, Buckeye talk bracket is that's going to be big. Definitely a decider. Means it's definitely a decider. Bear. It's definitely a decider of who's going to have a better bracket. So and for I'm any, no- for any number of reasons, I, I think I hope Steven is correct, but I, yeah, that's I good. You got some home. It'll make your family happy. That's okay. But I also appreciate you, uh, you know, voting with what with the numbers and not just with, uh, you know, what your what your mom and dad with want. my heart with your heart. Uh, this, by the way, so I, I well, I'll talk about this in a second before we make our picks. This is the 10, 10 years ago. I was walking around in a cornfield in Illinois uh, before the NCAA tournament, Nathan, which I can't believe it's been 10 years. But we'll talk about that in a second. As soon as we finish this Ohio State bracket. Ohio State in the South, they're the number two seed. Baylor the one, Arkansas the three, Purdue the four. That's a Purdue team that has beaten Ohio State twice, but then Ohio State beat them the third time in the NCAA tournament. Um, Steven, who's your regional final in this Ohio State region? Baylor and Ohio State. I think this is the most favorable path to an Elite Eight Ohio State's had a decade. I mean, Oral Roberts might make some things scary. And obviously, we'll get into that a bit later this week. They might make some things scary for Ohio State just because of their personnel and the way they play. But I think they get past that game. They beat either Florida or Virginia Tech. I have Virginia Tech winning that game. And then I think they're just better than Arkansas. So I think this might be the easiest path, which they probably kind of need, given what their last seven day, seven games have looked like playing You know, four of the top 15 teams in the, in the Kimpon ra- rankings and then two others who are in the top top 60 this is an easy path to get to elite eight and then it gets interesting going up against baylor i also agree that it's an easy path and, we, and you and i both wrote versions of that steven uh arkansas is the three they have moses moody who's a top 10 nba guy yep. but he's not a big guy 
right? I think they I think they can find a way to defend him. And it's like size is the thing that I think would give Ohio State the most trouble. If they had USC, right? If they were trying to guard Evan Mobley, and if you said Ohio State's a two and their seven is USC, USC's actually a six, right? That's when we could get into some trouble, something like that. I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert. Like it didn't jump off the page, like a thing like that of like, oh, you know, the Baylor guy, Baylor guy might be the player of the year, but he's a guard too, right? Like, like there's not, they're not going to have some guy just like they do in the, like Purdue does to him, like Michigan does to him, like Illinois does to him, where they just have a big guy that like Ohio State can't guard, especially without Kyle Young, they can't guard those guys. There is not that, unless we're missing something, there's not that obvious guy in this bracket, Stephen, that they conceivably, I think, could get to the Final Four without facing the skilled bigger guys that they have faced in the Big Ten on a regular basis. This might sound hyperbolic, but this is the first time in two months where they're playing a team who they can match up with on paper and plays like them. They don't, or I'll say doesn't necessarily play through a post player. EJ Liddell plays in the post, but as he's shown later this season, he can step out on the perimeter and hit some three-point baskets. And as his game continues to develop, he'll probably be more perimeter-oriented because he's only six foot six, six foot seven. He's like a Paul Millsap. And he'll, he'll tell you he models his game after him as well. But then Dwayne Washington in the clutch is who they go to. They don't go to a post player like with Caleb West in the past two years. And so, one, Dwayne, if he continues to shoot the ball the way he's shooting the ball, if Justice Suing can continue to show some versatility in his game the way he has been. But also the fact that EJ Liddell shot 46% from the field during the regular season and shot 31% because he had to bang with big guys for four straight days in the Big Ten tournament. He doesn't have to do that now. So he can probably be a little bit more of an efficient score and still go for those 17 to 20 points per game. This is for, uh, basketball is about matchups and Ohio state's been having to deal with being in mismatch situations for the last four days. I don't have to do that in the tournament. Nathan, who do you have in your, uh, in your regional final here? I also have Baylor and Ohio state. And I think expounding on the point that you just made about both just made about the matchups. I really thought long and hard about Texas tech taking Ohio state out in that sweet 16 game. Um, I, I like Texas tech a lot. I like Chris beard a lot. I've had experience a couple of times covering teams that have had to go up against Chris Beard in the NCAA tournament and it hasn't gone well. And those weren't even the, that wasn't even Texas Tech's final four year. So uh, this is a guy uh, I think is one of the more underrated coaches in the country in some ways, although that's coming around. He's a guy that is getting brought up a lot in these, even in the Indiana job search that's starting. The one problem that I finally decided on that I had to pick Ohio State for that matchup though, was because Texas Tech's biggest issue is a front court. I don't think they have big men that they can use to leverage against Ohio State. And I, I don't really see that really for any of these early matchups. Um, so I have Baylor against Ohio State. By the way, this is my only – my biggest first-round upset was also in this region. I only have two double-digit seeds winning first-round games. One was Rutgers, and the other one is Colgate taking out Arkansas and then playing Texas Tech in round of 32. I had Utah State taking out Texas Tech, and I had Winthrop beating Villanova. Yeah, that Winthrop one I think is a popular one. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going a little bit storyline here because I compared, uh, this draw for Ohio state to the 2013 draw when Ohio state was the Deshaun Thomas scoring nearly 20 a game, Aaron Kraft, Lenzel Smith, the Quentin Ross team. And they were a two seed that year, just like this team is their one seed that year was Gonzaga. 
And at that time, that was like still Gonzaga. That's eight years ago. Gonzaga's like still coming. Nobody was super scared of Gonzaga as a one seed in that bracket. And Gonzaga lost in the second round. They got knocked out by the nine. And so it was true. And then Ohio State had to hit last second shots to beat Iowa State and Arizona. So it wasn't a cakewalk. But that Ohio State team did not have an NBA player. And they had, they sort of shared the ball. LaQuinton Ross went nuts in the tournament. And they got to the Elite Eight. And when they got to the Elite Eight, they played a nine seed. And it was like, man, this has opened up for them. And so I'm replicating that. And my regional final is Ohio State, North Carolina. And it's North Carolina knocking off Baylor. It's North Carolina as the eight seed. And Stephen, part of this is based on the fact that the other day you tweeted, is North Carolina good now? And I was like, that's enough analysis for me. I'll take it. That is the level of my analysis. Listen, I'm trying to figure out how to seed pretzels versus cheesy popcorn. I don't have time to think about actual basketball. I'm looking for that upset. And if we're talking a lot about no blue bloods, no blue bloods, Kansas is a three, but like Duke is not in it, right? Kentucky's not in it. Carolina's an eight. This is like maybe the one gasp of a blue blood here, Stephen. And so now let me ask you, since you influenced me, why did you tweet is North Carolina good? Because I remember watching them early in the season and my answer was emphatically no, this was awful. I think, no, I, I watched the first North Carolina Duke game and it was some of the worst basketball I ever saw in my life. It was, it was bad shots all over the place, turnovers. It was just terrible basketball. They don't look like that same team when I watched a couple of the ACC tournament games since they played those a little bit later. And I was in my hotel by the time some of those games were playing and they look like a quality team. They look like, I don't think they can beat Baylor, but I understand why you have them beating Baylor. And I think that's Baylor scare on the road to the elite eight is it's 72 to 68 North Carolina is winning with a minute and two seconds left. And now Baylor's got to coach and execute a little bit. I do see that happening because that North Carolina team has grown from where they were in the middle of the season to now. All right. So I have North Carolina, Ohio state in the regional final. I have the same thing happening that happened to the Buckeyes in 2013, which is like, Hey, they're a two seed. They're playing an eight or a nine in the regional final. They're in the final four, baby. It's like, no, they're not. I have Ohio state losing to North Carolina in the regional final. I think Ohio state could be a final four team. I, I, I think if they play well, and we know what that looks like. It's like really connected offense. It's Dwayne Washington and EJ Liddell playing at a really high level offensively. Everybody else filling their roles, just ensuing, doing his thing, not getting killed on defense, be, not getting murdered inside on defense. We know what it looks like. Steven's been covering it and writing about it all year. I think if they do that, I think they're like an elite eight final four team. I, I do not think Ohio State's national championship level team. And that's not an insult. I sort of said that. It's like I said something on the text about like, I don't think they can hang with Illinois. And, and the Texas were like, how dare you? They did hang with like, okay, I get it. Maybe perhaps hang was, I don't think they can beat Illinois. And they did beat Illinois earlier in the year. They did. And that was one of the best games they've played. Illinois just has a couple dudes that Ohio state's dudes just aren't quite at that level. I don't think, which is why I think Illinois is a final four team and Ohio state isn't what, what this fan base and this program could use is a really fun March. They are, they have started that. This was the beginning of that, getting to the Big Ten tournament championship game and beating Minnesota, Purdue, and Michigan along the way 
and winning three games in the Big Ten tournament, that was fun. It gave people heartburn because they almost blew those games, but it was fun. It's time for a fun march. I think the fun march continues, but for me, it falls a step short of the Final Four. Nathan, do you have Ohio State in the Final Four? I don't. Uh, I have them in the Elite Eight, but I'm taking Baylor to win. And I think of Baylor almost as like being that that next step up version of Ohio State, but they also, I think, have a a more um, prodigious front court too. It's just a, a team that shoots the heck out of the ball from three. They've got the the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. They're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. They just do so many things well. And I think this is maybe the region. And this isn't a shot at. at you guys, I, although I guess I don't know who Steven has picked yet. I, I think this is the region, and I almost did it, where you can overthink a great team sometimes. I, I think Baylor is legitimately great, and I think they're going to get out of this region. Steven, who do you have in the Final Four? So I'm going to overthink a great, a great team. I looked at Kim Palm rankings, and Baylor and Iowa are the exact same team. Baylor is third in offensive adjusted offensive efficiency, Iowa is second in adjusted offensive efficiency. Baylor is 44th in adjusted defensive efficiency, and Iowa is 50th in adjusted defensive efficiency. So I think a lot of, Nathan, your gripes and my gripes and Doug's gripes, and really everybody in the country who's ever seen Iowa play basketball, their gripes with Iowa is they don't play any defense, but they can score. I think you can say the exact thing about Baylor and out that second Iowa game, Ohio State's offense just didn't show up to play. They shot like 35% in that game and turned the ball over a bunch. That's why they lost by 20. I think this Elite Eight game can play out the exact same way the first Iowa game did, where nobody is getting stops until there's this 90-second period where Ohio State calls a turnover and a couple of, and got a couple of misses, and that's where they won the game. I think – Texters were asking me this over the weekend. If you had to choose between being the two seed in the same region as Gonzaga or Baylor, which would it be? Because they weren't going to put them in the two seed region with Illinois and Michigan. Those teams have been playing each other all year. I said Baylor because Gonzaga is really talented and Baylor doesn't scare me. So I think it's just Iowa 2.0 and I think Ohio State can beat Iowa 2.0. I don't think they can beat Gonzaga. To be fair, Baylor's adjusted defensive efficiency, as you said, 44th, mm-hmm. Ohio State's 79th. Yeah. So we're not saying that Ohio State's going to stop Baylor. You're just saying Baylor can't stop Ohio State and that kind of game. Let's get in a shootout and let's take our chances with EJ Liddell, Dwayne Washington, open shooters, ball movement. Ohio State will take their chances in a game like that and say, yeah, we know Baylor has the player of the year or whatever, but like – we think we can outgun you in that kind of scenario if we make our shots. Because I've seen them do that. I haven't necessarily seen Baylor do the same, even though they have won some games. I I think it's a really astute analysis, especially directly punching a hole in in the way I'm looking at this because of how similar they are in those numbers to Iowa, which is a team that I have expressed that, that skepticism about. And it, but again, it does kind of come down to what Doug was saying. Like, I see that as an elite eight matchup. I think Ohio state can push through its defensive deficiencies to that point in those early matchups. I just think they run into a team like Baylor where I don't have the confidence that they can get enough stops to win that game. And again, we have to keep reminding ourselves and we know it. Everybody listening to this podcast knows it. You know, Illinois is like maybe 
Illinois is one of the three best teams in the country. And like Ohio State's been banging their head against Illinois for the last two weeks, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. lost to them. They blew a lead and lost to them in the last game of the regular season. They got way behind and then came back on them. And they were there in the Big Ten championship game. And so, you know, like that's high level. They've been they've lost to them twice recently, but that's stinking Illinois, man. So they will not face. And Illinois is a bad matchup for them in a lot of ways. And like they just I don't think they will face anybody in the tournament, Stephen, who is a who is tougher in terms of talented team that also is a tough matchup for Ohio State than Illinois is like Illinois is their worst nightmare. And they beat them once and were around in the other two games and lost. And so they're not going to see anything now that they haven't had to face before. There is not. Yeah. As I'm saying, there's no matchup on paper that Ohio State is clearly the inferior team again until the final four. Okay. So let's talk about our final four. Steven, then who are your final four teams to recap here? I have Ohio State. I have Illinois, I have Alabama, and I have Gonzaga. So one, two versus one, two, which is cl- clearly not going to happen because it never works out that way. Well, but the- I mean, that's not crazy, though. I mean, like, it's I, don't not. Know, I don't know what the average is. There's probably the, the average probably is two one seeds a year, or two and yeah. a half one seeds a year. Um, all right. So it's, you have- it's one of those things where like it's rare that all four number one seeds get there. But because that doesn't very happen very often, people think that means you have to pick a bunch of weird stuff when actually one, two, one, two is not crazy. Yeah, that's fair. I, th- I think we had all four one seeds once. Right. We definitely had it once. I think that was it, though. All right. So Steven has two ones and two twos. I have three ones and an eight. I have Gonzaga versus Michigan in one final four and Illinois versus North Carolina in the other. Nathan, who's your final four? I have one Gonzaga against seven UConn and one Baylor against two Houston. Okay. So we have some ones and twos in there. Nathan, who's your national championship game? My national championship game is uh, I'm sure that the the folks at CBS are going to be ecstatic about this. Uh, It's Gonzaga against Houston. I guess the NCAA championship game will probably always draw uh, pretty well, but uh, not exactly like two marquee programs, although Gonzaga has gotten there in in terms of results, if not like, you know, national uh, brand the way like a Duke or Kentucky or a Carolina or whatever would have gotten. But, uh, you know, Gonzaga finally ending the, the the little run that I have Connecticut on and just sort of exerting their dominance. And then Houston-Baylor just being a matchup thing where I think, again, that the balance of Houston being so strong in both areas, uh, being a team that can maybe take advantage of the, the defensive deficiencies that we think might be lurking underneath Baylor. So Gonzaga versus Houston. Steven, don't reveal their champ yet, but who's your championship game? I would love to see what the ratings on a regular season Gonzaga-Houston game would get. Honestly, because that's a terrible matchup. I have Illinois and I have Gonzaga getting there. Those are clearly the two best teams in the country with some favorable brackets of getting there. That's also my championship game is Gonzaga, Illinois. Um, So I'll tell my Illinois story real quick. Ten years ago was when Ohio State was the overall number one seed in the tournament and they opened the tournament in Cleveland. And that whole year, it was like, who's the best team? There is no best team. Um, and just for, I don't even know why I did it, but like, for some reason I, I, so I went to Hoopston, Illinois, Nathan, before that tournament to Thad Mata's hometown. Mm-hmm. And I corn was walking, I was walking around Hoopston. I went to a high school game with the corn jerker mascot. I was reliving Thad Mata's, uh, boyhood life. I went to the house he grew up at and saw the basketball net that he shot on as a kid. And I wrote this gigantic series on Thad Mata growing up, growing up in Hoopston, because it felt like Ohio State was going to win the national title. And that was the year that Ohio State was the overall one seed. They won by like 30 points a game in their first two games in Cleveland. And then they went to Newark and they lost to 
Kentucky as a dangerous four seed that the moment the bracket came out, everybody was like, "Uh Oh, including Gene Smith. And that's the nightmare scenario. That's the nightmare scenario that remains that I think will scar Ohio state fans on every selection Sunday from now for another couple decades, you have the best team in the country and a team pops up and you think we have the best team in the country. We got to play those guys. It's like, we got to play Kentucky. And then that was the year that UConn won it. Right. That like there was in a year it was like, well, there is no great team. And like you, right. That was the UConn year. UConn got hot and like won the national title. And it was like, what are we doing here? And that was like the, but wasn't that UConn Butler national title game. It was like the, it was like the ghost of Butler that wasn't quite as good as the Butler team the year before. And like Kentucky and UConn just getting hot at the right time. It was like, Oh my God, Ohio state lost by Kentucky by two. When, while William Buford was two for 12, if they just could have beaten Kentucky, I think they would have won the national championship. And we have to talk about that. Of all these times, Stephen, in the last 20 years, Nathan, the last 20 years when Ohio State or when the Big Ten has just fallen short of a national championship, I would contend that might have been the Big Ten's best shot. They didn't lose in the national championship game, but they lost the game in the Sweet 16 that if they get past that, I think I see the path to winning it all. So um, that was 10 years ago. It was hard to believe that was 10. I can... I can, I remember everything about walking around Hoopston and I can feel myself sitting in the arena in Cleveland because it was a big deal for us. It's like, yeah, it's us. It's, you know, they're there and I'm covering Ohio state and it's in Cleveland. And it was like, they played so well. It was like, they are about to do something here. And then that happened. All right, Steven, who's winning it all. I have Illinois winning it all. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it'll be a great game. If both of those te- teams get there, you got four NBA, NBA first round NBA draft picks going at it. I just think Illinois has Andre Cabello off the bench, who is who is the biggest X factor that they have in his development and progression throughout his freshman year here. He's really the reason they beat Ohio State uh, to close out the regular season. And he also had some moments in the in the Big Ten tournament as well that impressed you. He's going to continue to grow. Obviously, Io and Kofi are going to do what they do. But he's the X factor. I think that puts Illinois over the top. Ditto. Nathan. You got winning it all. You're riding. You're riding your. Uh, yeah. You're like I don't like Kelvin Sampson, but he's going to win the national title. <laughs> Who you got? No, no, I, I'm taking the Zags to win it. Uh, the the Bulldogs. Uh, everyone calls them Zags for fun, I guess. But um, just a, a team that is, is is so strong top to bottom. A team that uh, when it even multiple times this year has gotten on the floor with other NCAA teams and, and thumped them pretty good. Uh, I, I think they just are the the class of this this year. And uh, I think it's their moment to finally climb all the way to the top. So you're sold on the undefeated season. I guess so. And I wasn't even, I, I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, that's, that's what would end up happening. I mean, the thing that, the thing that I would not do is like pick against them just because you think it's hard to have an undefeated season. Right. Yeah, Which no. is like, well, I mean, like that's a heck of a thing. I, I mean, like, is this, I don't know. I don't know how many games they missed. I don't know one thing about Gonzaga. If they win the national championship and finish off an undefeated season, is this one of like the five best seasons in college basketball history? I mean, how big of a deal would that be? I mean, I'm trying to think of the last one, the last undefeated. Season. It might be the UCLA. Indiana was the last. Indiana was Indiana. the last one in the in the 70s. Okay, yeah. So it's been that long. I mean, Kentucky got close that year when they lost to Wisconsin. So I, it'd be a pretty big deal. And obviously, as the tournament continues, if they by the time we get to the Elite Eight, people will start talking about it. And 
asking Jalen Suggs and, the, and Mark Few and everybody else on that roster about it every single day. I just, I'm not saying don't don't pick them because you don't believe in the undefeated season. I just think it is an interesting layer to add to a team who has to constantly deal with that pressure, especially now that they're not playing mid-major teams. They're playing power five schools. Yep. I mean, it's, it's a stage of the year where you're one and done anyway. So it's, yeah. it's not, you don't really care that much about ending the streak. It's keeping your season alive. Every game ends the season. So um, I don't know that it would be that much of a factor for them as far as like pressure or whatever. So all three of us have Gonzaga in the national title game. One of us has them winning. Two of us have Illinois winning. Those are our final four picks. And that was just the appetizer. Let's get, <laughs> thank goodness. Great thank goodness. Boy. We're done with this useless basketball sports analysis Who cares <laughs> thanks wait until you see the snack matchups i am so fired up for some of these matchups and for you guys to break it down we'll be back with the Seth and clark of gas station snack analysis next on buckeye talk we are back i, I was gonna do like was the what would be our snack music song gas station snacks hey if you want to do that now i think i stole it from like nba on nbc uh nathan how can people we want people to join us for our ncaa bracket you have started it at yahoo and we want people to join. It's just there. You need a link. And so we can't like send you a link. So you did, we kind of need you to sign up for the text to do it. I know it sounds like we're trying to weasel you into the texts, but it's free. And then you can do the bracket. And like, like Nathan said, you could sign up for the text, get the bracket link, and then immediately quit Then immediately type stop and you're out. And it doesn't cost you a nickel, or you can do it. Hang on for spring football and NCAA tournament texts, vote in the snack bracket and see what you think for two weeks. But Nathan, what's up with our Yahoo basketball bracket? So if you're a tech subscriber, you should have already gotten a text from me Tuesday morning that had the link. Um, I also put in there if the, the bracket name, which is Buckeye talk and the password, which is weasel W E A S E L. Um, which Doug didn't understand at first. I had to explain to him that it was a callback to the pod, which many of our texters caught on to this morning as soon as I sent it out. So that's how you can get in. I, I don't. I think you, though, do still need the link. I think you can't just go do a bracket on Yahoo and then search for our group and join it with that password. I think you have to have the link. So if that's the case, I'm going to be sending that link out again on Wednesday. I'll send it out again, even on Thursday. And I guess the game's don't actually officially start till Friday, the playing games before that. And then the real games are Friday. Is that correct? No, no, no. They, they start, they start Thursday at start Thursday morning. Okay. I think, I think brackets okay. typically close like 30 minutes before. Right. They, they, they will, they'll close Thursday morning. So I'll try to remember to send it out again, Thursday morning. If you sign up for the text between now and then, like Doug said, just, just text to six, one, four, three, five, Oh, three, three, one, five, sign up for the text, get that link when I send it out and then immediately text back, stop in all caps or whatever. And it'll tell you how to cancel the text and you won't get charged. We're not trying to, but it's, we're trying to get as many people as we can into this without making it a public thing where just any Joe Schmo can join. So everybody gets one bracket, you get one bracket. That's the way adults do this one bracket. And then the winner gets to come on the pod, the whoever, well, unless, I mean, unless it's one of us, we'll already be on the pod. So whoever finishes highest besides one of us gets to be on the pod. You do not want one of us to win. No, you don't. Especially a certain <laughs> one of us. You do not want one of us to win. Uh, 63 people in already. 
And yep. we just sent it out on Tuesday morning. And I, di- I, I didn't even notice it, Nathan. It's Buckeye Talk. And then the slogan is, hey, 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 come on in, which is so good by you. It's, it welcomes people to the bracket and to the podcast. The po- No, the password is still gold. I'm not going to share it. I'll, I'll, I'll no, well, he already it. shared it. I already said oh, it. Okay, I was Weasel. Oh, yeah. yeah, that that's Anybody gold. who's getting, yeah, if anybody out there, if you have a Yahoo account, you have to have a Yahoo account, by the way. You'll have to get one if you don't already have one to, to fill out the bracket. But if you can go and get in with that Buckeye Talk and Weasel as a password, feel free to do it. Yeah. Um, but, but you have to have that password. We it's want you in. Password. I just couldn't believe it because like Weasel, I think I've told this, that's the name of like every fantasy team I have. So like I, I have Weasel out there in the world a lot. I was like, man, he did Weasel. And it was like, no, it wasn't Doug is a Weasel. It was Dabo is a Weasel. All right, let's get to the unveiling of the 64 item snack bracket divided into four regions, salty, baked goods, candy, and hot cold. I have seeded all the snacks. I am not revealing the seeds for the snacks because I do not want my seating to affect things. I don't know if you guys want to write these down as we go, because you are providing instant analysis and I want it to be the kind of instant analysis that people get on the CBS show where it's like the bracket comes up and Clark Kellogg goes, Oh, I like that seven seed to get to the sweet 16, right? Whatever. Like Seth Davis says, Oh, that 12, five. So you're not going to have the seeds, but I want you to latch on to the snack items that you're really fired up about. And then we can have a little discussion. It's expert discussion that may or may not influence the voting, but it's an expert discussion, <laughs> discussion about snacks <laughs> and why. And again, the idea is not that they are snacks in general is that they are gas station snacks, like for a rock, for a car trip. Like you stop at a convenience store or a gas station and you go in and get a snack. That is a very different kind of snack. We all know what I'm talking about. It's not snack at the grocery store that you have in your pantry. It's little snack you buy for yourself and you bring in your car and you eat it in your car. So we're going to start off in the salty region. And this was the toughest bracket to get in. Very competitive. Some good snacks left out. I took the suggestions from the textures as much as I could. There's actually one thing that I need to to bring up first because I'm debating whether to put this. There's no play-in game. There's a play-in discussion. Have you guys heard of Takis Fuego? They're like a super... Nathan, can you help me? Some texter threatened to tell Chili's to take the Southwest egg rolls and the buffalo chicken salad off the menu if Takis Fuego is not in the bracket. But I l- briefly researched it, and like it's so hot, like it hurts people. What are we talking about with this talk? I don't even know what it is. I, I don't really know either. I, I just know the name. I've seen it, but I don't know what. The, I don't. I've never uh, consumed it. So I used to when I was in college, six months ago. I um <laughs> I used to work. I worked at the, the a local YMCA summer camp as like a summer job. Okay. Um, and the little kids loved these Takis and I didn't get it because they used to burn their mouths on these Takis. But every single day they'd come with these big bags of these Takis chips and they didn't want to do anything because their mouths were so hot. They just wanted to sit around and drink water and eat the Takis. So I know what they are. I just don't think they're we can have. Yeah, I just don't think it's like an smartest. effective babysitting tool. I'm going to have to keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> Until the kid's crying because his mouth's on fire. Takis Fuego chips combine the taste of fire and a bite of lava to send your tongue fire walking. Yep. Containing an intense flavor combination of hot chili pepper and lime. Takis Fuego rolled tortilla chips are rated extreme for extreme heat and extreme taste. 
So the issue is whether this should get they this is the, they are it's either them or cheesy popcorn is in the bracket. I'm out of room. That's the play in game. Ooh. So like I don't think it's the end of the world if cheesy popcorn's not in. I enjoy cheesy popcorn. Gets on your fingers, which affects the, the in the car thing. It's not a great it's not a great gas station snack for that reason because now you've just got like I love like that smart food uh, popcorn, the white cheddar yep. cheesy popcorn, but getting that dust all over your steering wheel is annoying. Yeah. I so go, go with Takis Fuego. Yeah. Let's go, go with Takis. Yeah. All right, Takis in, in, in. We should maybe all uh, maybe by the time we do a live Zoom, should we all try to acquire a bag of no. Takis? Steven knows where the kids are who have them. He can go try them live on the air. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. You can't. Steven knows where the kids are. Oh, with fuck the I talk. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, no. Hey, uh, <laughs> Steven pulls up in front of the YMCA, opens the door of his car. Hey, kid, you know where the Takis are? O- opens the door of his white windowless van, more like it. Well, my uh, boss is like, hey, um, I got arrested trying to do something for the boss. <laughs> can you, yeah, can I expense my bail money? <laughs> All right, so Takis Fuego is in, and Takis Fuego in the first round is meeting Slim Jims. And the winner of Slim Jims, Takis Fuego, will meet the winner of Doritos versus Ruffles Sour Cream and Onion chips. Now, I am walking a line here between very specific brands and general things. And I tried to be all encompassing sometimes, but Ruffles sour cream and onion is kind of like, um, like a, t- a team that like plays a very specific way, right? Maybe you like, th- they shoot a lot of threes. They're up and down. Maybe they don't play a lot of defense, but they're a very specific kind of basketball, a very specific kind of snack. There's going to be a lot of other snacks in here that have a lot of different ways to win. And it's going to be more wide open. If the brand greatly affected the item, then I put the brand. If it was kind of like, well, you get it. Sometimes you're in the mood for the thing, regardless of the brand. Then I left it more wide open. Again, we're only doing 64 snacks. So that is our first pod. Slim Jim's Takis Fuego. And they'll meet the winner of Doritos versus Ruffles Sour Cream and Onion. All right, let's go to another pod. We've got Corn Nuts versus Pork Rinds. And we have beef jerky versus bugles. Nathan, I am not an aficionado about this at all, but Slim Jims and beef jerky are different things. I separated them. That's the correct way to do this, right? That those are two separate entities. But then within beef jerky, everything that's not Slim Jims, every other kind of beef jerky is within beef jerky. Yeah, I mean, you could almost say just all jerky because I think there's like turkey jerky out there and probably like bison jerky or whatever. I think there's all sorts of jerky. Uh, you could almost just meat jerky collaborated all into one one team. Okay, I can do that. I can do that. I don't want to. I don't want to s- slight other meats in the jerky family. So that is another pod. One other pod. Another pod in the salties. Funyuns versus combos and chicks mix versus Cheez-Its. And then our final matchup pod, peanuts versus Pringles. And that's all flavors of Pringles. And that's any kind of peanuts that you want. Not chocolate-covered peanuts, though, because that's a separate thing. Honey roasted, regular salted, whatever. Peanuts versus Pringles. And pretzels, all pretzels, rods, hard, little ones, mustard pretzels, regular pretzels, rods, hards, little ones. Buckeye talk. 
all pretzels. <laughs> We're going to get arrested. All <laughs> Rod, Rod's hard little ones. Buckeye talk. All you have to put a disclaimer between pretzels this and the um, actual NCAA tournament talk. Doug, I'm going to go ahead and let you edit this episode. That could be. That's like our nicknames too. It's like I'm Rod, I'm hard, and I'm little one. And welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Talking pretzels, pretzels versus sunflower seeds. A lot of support for sunflower seeds. Again, very specific to a car. All right, so that's our salty region. Stephen, who are you liking? Who who caught your eye? What matchup caught your eye? Was there an item that caught your eye or caught your ear in the salty region? Pretzel sunflower seeds is interesting because those are two very different snacks on the t- two different ends of the spectrum. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole spiel you just went into, but I just that that's an interesting. You're telling us a little bit about yourself, depending on which way you vote with that one. While with maybe something like Chexmith and Cheez-Its, that's a little similar. Yep. Because you know, I think you can put Cheez-Its in your Chexmix, but not all Cheez-Its are Chexmix. You know that's what I'm saying? True. So it's that that one's interesting. But I do think the pretzel, some, when you have two things that are too polar into the snack spectrum, you learn a lot about something, someone when they tell you which one they prefer. There are some things here. Pretzels, everybody eats pretzels. To varying degrees. Mm-hmm. Sunflower seeds are a little more specific. I think some people who do do sunflower seeds love sunflower seeds, but I do think pretzels probably have a broader appeal. But among the people who do consume sunflower seeds, will there be enough of, a, of energy behind that group to put sunflower seeds over the top? Because pretzels is wide ranging. And I'm going to get some argument of like, well, you should have gotten more specific with the pretzels. But I do think, Stephen, you're onto something there with the kind of matchup that is. Nathan, what caught your ear about the salty region? Yeah, I think sunflower seeds is tough because I think they're in a in another environment. I think they're good. But if I'm driving to a gas station, and I'm getting a snack. I'm probably because there's a longer drive ahead of me. And what am I doing with my seeds? Like that seems like uh, logistically, I don't like it. So I, I think they might be vulnerable. Um, I love Doritos. I think Doritos got a really strong draw. Doritos is one of my go to's because you can get so many flavors. You get the crunch without the grease that you might get from a another kind of potato chip or or, or even a Pringle. Uh, I think Doritos is really strong and combos though. Uh, there's, there's some nostalgia there. Like combos to me is almost the quintessential gas station buy a little bag of, of snack. Like I, I have bought so many combos uh, from gas stations and almost no combos from anywhere else ever. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that is a differentiator, right? That, that the gas station part of this uh, makes combos very interesting. All right, let's go to the baked goods region. In the baked goods region, we have oatmeal cream pie versus Nutter Butters. And that matchup will play the winner of butterscotch crimpets. And this is the specific tasty cake butterscotch crimpets versus Twinkies. I'm a little confused about tasty cakes. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Tasty cakes are everywhere in Pennsylvania. They have started to move to the Midwest. They are now in Ohio. I'm not exactly sure where else they are. Tasty cakes to me are ubiquitous, but I understand they are regional to some degree. This is the only tasty cake in the baked goods region. I'm letting butterscotch crimpets stand for kind of on behalf of tasty cakes. Tasty cakes is like a whole conference. And butterscotch crimpets won the tasty cake conference tournament and got into this field of 64. Uh, But like everybody knows what a Twinkie is. So like I'm curious how that matchup goes because butterscotch crimpets to me, I know I don't maybe have a handle on what that means to everybody else. Another pod, we've got Hostess Fruit Pies against Mini Donuts. 
And that's mini donuts of any brand, any flavor. You know what I'm talking about. It's the mini donuts in a little roll of six that you go in. Maybe they're powdered. Maybe they're chocolate covered. Maybe they're glazed. They're mini donuts. Why do I have to explain what donuts are? Also in this pod, Krispy Kreme donuts versus the Hostess cupcake. And this to me, this is the gas stations that have the Krispy Kreme with like that are you open the door and you get a Krispy Kreme, right? Like that's normal. That's at a lot of places, right, Stephen? Like, I'm not screwing people up by saying, what? You get a Krispy Kreme at a gas station. Krispy Kremes at a gas station are lots of places, correct? Especially road trip gas stations uh, like the Oasis. Shout out to them. I stop there every time I go to Cleveland. Uh, speed, The bigger speedways, uh, sheets, places like that. Yeah, that's a pretty standard thing. Okay. So we're on the same page of, of the Krispy Kreme donut being in the bracket here. All right. Confetti brownie. And this is a specific brownie. It's the brownie that has like a little bit of the color, like kind of sprinkle stuff on it. It's a little bit of a party in your car. It's a specific, it's not just brownie, it's confetti brownie. Any brand, party in your car versus Chips Ahoy. Everybody knows what Chips Ahoy is. Maybe you get the minis that are like the size of your thumb. Maybe you get a sleeve of the whole size cookie, but it's Chips Ahoy, not just a chocolate chip cookie. It's Chips Ahoy. The winner of that game will go up against Little Debbie's Swiss Roll versus Honey Bun. And Steven, are you not a honey bun guy? Have we talked about that previously? I have gotten a honey bun in the morning of every road trip. So on my way back from Indiana, Indianapolis, I got a honey bun and a Gatorade, which is a weird combination, I know, but I did it. And I'll be doing it again on Friday when I leave. So honey bun's going to be a strong, a strong candidate in that region for you, because I think what honey bun, honey bun brings to the table is it doesn't matter what time tip off is. You can get if you got if, if honey buns got like a 1210 tip off, they're good to go. They're like a late morning. They're like a late breakfast. Honey buns got the last primetime game on the West Coast, 930. Honey buns. OK, you can go into honey bun at 930. Some of these other foods are a little more reliant on tip off time. I'm not sure you want to eat everything for a 1210 tip. Right. If you're driving, I'm driving to the game. It's 1030 a.m. Do you want all this stuff? Honey bun strong in that area. And the last pod. Oreos versus zebra cakes and rice crispy treats versus grandma's cookies. Grandma's cookies was one of the examples that I gave to texters. I don't even know if they sell grandma's cookies in a grocery store, but the two pack of grandma's cookies is like on the end of every gas station aisle in the world. You might get peanut butter. You might get oatmeal. You might get chocolate chip and they're soft. They're soft. Buckeye talk. We know what a grandma's cookie is. That, to me, is a quintessential gas station snack. Nathan, who's catching your ear in the baked goods region? Well, somebody in that matchup, I think, is underseated. I mean, that's just, just two classics. I mean, it's, again, one of those quintessential gas station snacks against just like um, one of the, the all-time really just grab-and-go heavy hitters, right, with the Rice Krispie Treats. Um, there's uh, the, the team that I think got snubbed here is, is my personal favorite, the Fudge Round, which is kind of along the same lines of like zebra cakes and the oatmeal cream pies. Um, the Swiss roll. Is that close to the Swiss, and roll? Swiss roll? Yeah, kind of that kind of that same family. I think maybe they were the team from that conference that just couldn't quite get in Their 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 net just wasn't quite high enough this year. Maybe they, they they're the, they're like the Belmont this year and got got shafted or whatever. Um, so I, I'm missing them. But uh, also the, the hostess fruit pies is somebody that I would have like backed um, in my younger days. But I'm, I have a vivid story about this being waiting for the L. I went to college in Chicago and waiting for the L one morning and a classmate, a guy I had classes with. His name was Chris Malinowski. And I'm eating one of those apple pies, those hostess apple pies. And he walks up to me. He's like, 
what are you eating? This is like breakfast time. This is morning time. And I'm thinking, because I bought it thinking like, oh, it's like fruity. It's like breakfasty. I'm like, oh, it's, it's one of these. He's like, but that's just, it's, that's just pure sugar. Like, that's just disgusting. And uh, I think that's the last time I ate one of those. I wow. buckled to the peer pressure. And Chris Monowski probably added literally days to my life by discouraging me from eating those again. But are you happy? I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. <laughs> That's exactly I mean, what people ask people who, who eat healthy. Are you happy? Though? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's good. I think that's some good analysis. Um, Steven, who's popping for you in, in the baked goods area? So I think the interesting thing here is Krispy Kreme versus Hostess. I won't be surprised if Krispy Kreme falls just because there are two levels of Krispy Kreme donuts. There is the gas station that we're talking about right now, but then there's the, the hot light is on. And they're ready to go. And it's an actual Krispy Kreme store where you get a nice donut that just came out of the oven. And when you pick it up, you know, the glaze is falling off and it's bending over. People might think I'd rather have that than the gas station donut. So that might fall. But I think so. I think that's interesting. But then also the NCAA tournament, the first round is always crazy. There's buzzer beaters. There's all types of, you know, March Madness stuff. But there's also always that one game where it's just a blowout. You knew it was going to be a blowout. I think mini donuts and fruit pies might be that just because many who doesn't love mini donuts. You think mini donuts might take fruit pies? Oh yeah. Yeah. Out. I think they're, they're the safe. So out, out of everything we've you named so far, that's the safest team to get to the second round. Okay. All right. Candy region. This is mostly, it's, this is like candy bars and also uh, like the bags, like the, like the sort of personal bags of candy that you might buy. We've got Snickers versus Hershey bar in the first round. That's classic candy bar matchup. And I think what gets interesting here for me is the bite-sized candies. I think that factors into the road trip. And we've got Rolos versus Skittles in a matchup of bite-sized candies who, again, similar profile in some ways, very similar profile in offensive adjusted efficiency, very different profile in defensive adjusted efficiency. When you're talking about size versus you're talking about is it is it chocolatey or is it sugary? Rolos versus Skittles. Another pod. Very strong support from a one texture in particular for Swedish fish. Also threatened me. You better have Swedish fish in the bracket. Again, bite-sized Swedish fish against the pecan log. However, whatever brand it is, but you guys know it's like a roll, like a pecan roll, a pecan log, right? I mean, it can be like wrapped. Maybe it's even fresh. I don't know. Maybe if you go to like an Oasis kind of thing, maybe they just made a pecan log for you. That's Swedish fish taking them on. Then we've got caramel creams, which is going to be like a bag, which is the caramel Circular caramel with the white in the middle. You guys know what I'm talking about versus gummy worms. And there's a lot of difficulty. The gummy family, the gummy is like the ACC. And so now we're splitting some hairs between like worms and rings and bears and right. And, and not everybody can get in, even though the gummy conference is so strong. So we're going to have to talk about how I broke up the gummies and, and, and if we have to make an adjustment, we can. But gummy worms versus caramel creams. Another one here. Sour Patch Kids, which is, you know, a little bit of that, but that's a very specific thing. So this is, a, you know, close to Steven's heart. Sour Patch Kids, this is one of my favorite matchups, versus the Reese's Egg Tree Heart, but not the cup. It's the single packet that's like at the counter that's based on what time of year it is. You guys know what I'm talking about. There's yep. more peanut yeah. butter. It's not back with the candy bars. It's out by itself. It's the single one. It's bigger. That 
whatever Reese's time of the year thing that's taken on Sour Patch Kids. Then we have peanut butter Twix, and that's a little bit of a nod to me. I like peanut butter Twix. One texter sent me a thing about peanut butter Twix that warmed my heart. It's my go-to, so I threw them in. Maybe they don't deserve to be here. But you know how it is? Sometimes there's like a committee, a member of the committee. It's like, ah, oh, they got their, their team in. They got their little favorite from their, their, their conference got in. I did that here. I'm okay with it. Versus Twizzlers. Sort of standing in for almost all licorice. I'm assuming it's red. If you want to go, you know, black licorice or brown licorice, red licorice, it's Twizzlers. You know what I'm talking about. Last matchups, Cowtails, which is a little like the caramel creams, but you know, it's a Cowtail. It's long and it's skinny. It's also caramel and cream, but it's a different shape. I thought it deserved to be different than the round caramel creams. That's Cowtails versus Peach Rings. This was a very strong texture who wanted this. It is a gummy ring, basically. It is peach flavored. If you Google peach rings, there's a lot of people who love these things. They're out there. I have some concerns about the gumminess of this region. We'll talk about it in a second. The last matchup, M&Ms of all kinds. Caramel, peanut, plain. It's M&Ms, and there's some controversy perhaps in this matchup because they're very similar. Chocolate-covered peanuts. I did not get a suggestion for this, but I was Googling gas station snacks Somebody out there for some random website ranked gas station snacks and number one was chocolate covered peanuts. So it is like, it is sort of like the generic brand that might be hanging there in a bag. I felt like I had to get them in. I mean, what's the difference between a chocolate covered peanut and a peanut M&M? I don't know. It's up to you. You got to vote. All those M&Ms, they're all together in that one. That is the candy region and I'm torn. I hope I represented the gumminess. To, I don't eat peach rings, Nathan. I think it's possible the peach rings are a little more gumdroppy in texture. I think we know what I mean between a gumdrop texture and a gummy texture, like a gummy worm, gummy bear texture. I want to. I hope the peach rings might be representing the more gumdrop texture, but I might be wrong there. But lots of people like the gummy stuff. So we have gummy worms. We have the Sour Patch Kids, which are specific within that area. Did I cover this enough in the candy region? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've got a, a good arrangement here. I, there, I, I'm hearing some things over the course of this, by the way, that like next time I go to the store, I feel like I have to reach out and try some of these things because they their names here that I've never heard before. And uh, I think I need to expand my um, my, my horizons a little bit. Uh, I, I think the M&Ms versus chocolate covered peanuts is interesting, though, because peanut M&Ms are, are probably my favorite candy bar. If, if you want to include them in the candy bar family. And if you, if you, and I guess the only difference is the candy shell, right? That the M&Ms have that, that a chocolate covered peanut doesn't. But I also love like peanut butter M&Ms. I love pretzel M&Ms. So it's like, I don't know. It, it would be very tough to take just a chocolate covered peanut over the array of things you get out of the greater M&M family. I think lumping M&Ms together makes M&Ms a pretty Formidable. strong candidate here. Yeah. A pretty strong candidate here. Steven, what do you think of the candy region? I think... First of all, Sour Patch Kids are very close to my heart. Um, they are what Garrett Wilson means to me in this Ohio State football team. Oh, man. So um, don't let me down, people. Let, let's get them to at least a Sweet 16. And then if you want to let them die, then that, that's fine. But it starts there for me. I do think it, the, the Snickers Hershey bar, two classics, I think is always interesting to have. That, that, that's a, 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 what, a 7-10 or an 8-9 situation right there where it can go back and forth and you probably don't find out a winner until the la very last minute sort of situation right there. I, that's always an interesting matchup because 
that could also have very well been, if you had seen it this differently, an Elite Eight matchup that we're getting this early in the tournament. So that, that's the most interesting one to me. But, yeah, Sour Patch Kids, guys, don't let me down. So I want to talk here briefly a little bit about something that I think is, is important about gas station snacks, and it is the idea of these snacks that are, like, not real. Like a robot made them in a, in a factory. They're, packed, they're practically plastic. And I'm talking about two specific things here, and I love both of them. And it's the peanut butter egg and it's combos, who are in very different ways. But the inside filling of a combo is not human. It's not real food. I don't know what it's made of. I like the pizza combos personally. I don't know what it is that is at the center of a combo. But it is not of this earth. Just like what is inside a peanut butter egg is not peanut butter. It is not the texture of peanut butter. It does not look like peanut butter. It tastes peanut butter flavored, but I don't know that it tastes exactly like peanut butter, right? But that is, to me, is a standout component. That's a plus for me, that when you go into a gas station on a road trip and you get something that is not of this earth, it is not. And But I want that. I'm more reluctant to bring food like that into my house, where I live, where my family is, where my children are. But when I'm alone, this is my road food porn. It's not real, right? I mean, it's not. Because it's not love. It's not love. Love is real. This is like that kind of thing. I mean, it's like you, it's a thing that is manufactured. It's plastic. It, it, it emulates something real, right? But it's not real. And in an attempt to be better, and it catches your eye. And in the moment, in your car, you're into it. But like long term, do you, do you, want, to, do you want that all the time? No, it's, like, it's a little bit like going to a strip club. You know, I mean, that's to me, that's what this road food is. It's that kind of thing. So it's very specific to the road. Uh, not that I go to strip clubs, but I eat a lot of peanut butter eggs. We are saying a lot of things on Buckeye Talk today. <laughs> no, listen, I'm just talking real talk. And, that, and everybody, I mean, people know what I'm talking about is, is that kind of world, right? No, you're, you're right. It's definitely Even if you, the type. Yeah, go ahead. It's definitely the type of, of candy where you love it as long as you don't know how it's made. Or maybe no one sees you eating it. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. You park yeah. in the back. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying, I mean, people know what strip clubs are. I don't think that's offensive to talk about that. They exist not, in the world. They know what they are. Right, right, right. So it's like there's the a person I'm making. There's a Jim Gaffigan bit about uh, running into somebody at a McDonald's and not wanting to admit that you're there to buy food. It's like, I'm, I'm here to meet a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. So, so listen, no, I mean, we're just, we're just talking real talk about snacks. I mean, that's what we do here. If, if people can't handle it, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so that's where we're going there. I think it's an interesting region. And I do think, I mean, it's, it's all candy, but you mix up the chocolate, as we've talked about with Steven. You mix up the chocolate with sort of that, whatever you call the non-chocolate stuff, Sour Patch Kids and Skittles and that kind of stuff, and you, the gummy stuff, right? You really get into a battle here. You can really draw some battle lines. Last region is the hot cold region. And this region, this is a little bit, a little bit of a catch-all. Gets a little crazy. We're doing drinks in here. We're doing hot food. We're doing ice cream. Here's what we're not doing. We have now reached the point. We know the Wawa's and the Sheetz's and the Goasis and the kind of things where you could like make like a four course meal at a gas station. That's not what we're talking about here. That to me is not in the spirit of this. Yes, we all come across those every now and then, but you can't count on those. 
I'm mostly talking about the stuff you would find in a typical gas station and a typical convenience store. So there is some hot food here, but I want it to be typical. And I don't want it to be like, oh, this sandwich that they make that you order a sub. It's like, no, that's not what we're doing. Okay. So in the hot, cold region, we got a matchup between, and I thought this needed to be in here, water, water. And I said to myself, like, people are like, water? It's like every single person listening to this has bought a bottle of water at a gas station in their lives. I'm not sure there's anything else in this bracket that every single person listening to this has bought in a gas station. So it's water. So it's got to be in. It's water versus soft pretzel. Because I think there are enough gas stations where there's like a, an old mangy soft pretzel hanging on a rack, right? So I didn't think that that was too fancy to be in. Also, the winner of water soft pretzel will play the winner of Gatorade and bad pizza. Not it's the best pizza in town, gourmet pizza. Like mangy old slice sitting at the counter pizza. That is at some gas stations. Nathan, am I explaining this okay? Yes, I would say uh, all generic pizzas, all like gas station brand pizzas, probably all the way up through Godfather's Pizza would apply here. Okay, so we're all on the same page here. Another pod, ice cream sandwich. This includes Chipwich. This includes like the, the high level, but it's all, it's that the ice cream, you want to eat ice cream in your car and you've got two things to hold. There's no stick. You got a sandwich, ice cream sandwich versus hot dog. This will help answer the question, is a hot dog a sandwich? Not a good hot dog. It's rolling on the thing. We know what a gas station hot dog looks like. This is another difficult one to explain. Hot thing on a roller. I originally had this as taquitos. Someone else called them tornadoes. That thing, right? That gas station thing on a roller that's like meat inside a dough wrapping. And it might be a little Mexican flavor with some cheese and some meat in there. Like, are we in agreement on what I mean by this? And it's on a roller. Yes. Uh, to, to call it Mexican food is a, an insult to an entire nation, but it's, it's in the spirit of that. I think there is a summer pod where we just start listing off different foods and Nathan can tell us whether or not it should be deemed as Mexican food or not. <laughs> Cause he does this a lot, but yes, I think just calling it hot thing on a roller Everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Hot thing on a roller, and this is the iffiest item in the whole bracket, is hot pockets. Because you, you got to heat it up. So it's got to be like one of those gas stations that has a microwave. I'll tell you, this was the region where it was hardest to find things to put in. So in a lot of regions, hot pocket one to made it. But that's what we're talking about here. I've seen other people listed on gas stations things. Hot Pocket is in the hot, cold region. Another pod. We've got fountain soda. And again, we're doing drinks, not soda in, the can, in a can or a bottle. Fountain soda with the good ice, if you want. You're allowed to include the good ice. Fountain soda versus fruit. This is the one thing in this, in this bracket that isn't necessarily hot or cold. I like my fruit cold. Sometimes the, the fruit might be like in the fridge. Sometimes it's on the counter. But if you're just desperate, if you've been on the road, Stephen, you've been driving back and forth all over the place, and you're like, my God, give me something that isn't prepackaged. And you get an apple that has six bruises because it's on the counter and you're trying to do the right thing. <laughs> that piece of fruit versus fountain soda. Then we've got monster energy drink. This is my favorite matchup in the entire bracket, any region. 
It's generational, I think, possibly. Monster energy drink versus coffee. It's 11 p.m. You've got three more hours to drive. We've all been there. And the gas station's your friend. The gas station's helping you get home safely. What are you reaching for? More like the energy drink, more like the coffee. Okay, so that's that matchup. I've matched them up on purpose. The last one, slushies, slurpees, ices. Anything that's that. You know what I'm talking about. 7-Eleven, anybody else. That versus burritos. Again, it's frozen. You got to grab it, put it in the microwave. I don't love that it's in. I was running out of hot, cold things to put in. Arizona tea. We know the Arizona tea, like the big gigantic ones. It has the big name on it. Arizona tea versus drumsticks. So I tried to get squeeze in with the ice cream novelty. This is different than the ice cream sandwich. We all know what a drumstick is. Somebody was talking about that. It's like a, it's like a torpedo that you've got that little cone within it that kind of helps you eat it in the car. So that is it. Slushy Slurpee, Icy versus Burritos, and Arizona Tea versus Drumsticks. Wrap up the hot, cold region. Steven, what's your hot, cold takeaway? This is my favorite region so far because it's a lot of, okay, you can have a snack or you can have something that you might have to go to the emergency room if it's not cooked all the way. (laughs) This is now my favorite. There's so many TV shows when they have emergency room um, scenes where it's, what did you do? Oh, I ate this taco from a gas station. (laughs) You know, yeah. So this is my favorite favorite region. I think the monster drink co- coffee thing is it. That's the battle. That's I don't know what the seeds are, obviously, but I would assume I, if I had to guess, maybe that's an eight nine, just because of the type of battle that it can be. So that one gets pretty interesting to me. Um, Gatorade and water, man. Uh, if those two make it out the first round and end up having to play each other later down the ro- down the road, that's interesting to me because I mean I'm drinking water right now, but you know. You don't always want water. Sometimes you want something with flavor that isn't pop. And so that's when you go for the Gatorades and Powerades of the world. That is Gatorade and water if they win or look at a second round matchup. And I okay. think like the winner there could get to the final four. Yeah. I think that's because of, of the way you think about it. Nathan, what's popping for you in hot cold? I really love that you went fountain soda versus just like uh, any any kind of soda because it's it's so specific that you you have to factor in. Sometimes time is a thing when you're on the road. Sometimes places are very unreliable as far as whether or not they have like lids and straws or whether the thing is even hooked up right. Um, but then the other thing about fountain soda is there there's an unlimited um, number of of flavors that you can get out of a fountain soda right because you can mix your uh root beer with your grape soda or whatever and come up with something completely distinct so i i love fountain drink i think that is an underrated one to possibly even get past the, the more standard like water and gatorade because i think everyone knows like it's a hot day there's something about getting a coke uh, as a fountain drink that has appeal over uh, having to buy the bottle and then unscrew it and screw it back while you're driving. Like that gets annoying. Uh, I, I think fountain soda is a, a potential monster lurking in this region. Also um, quick PSA to Arizona, since you included them, I'm glad you did. I think they should take 99 cents off of their can because it is a lie. It is not 99 cents. It is 99 cents plus tax. So either hmm. take 99 cents off of the can or put the words plus tax so I can stop play, paying a dollar and nine cents for a 99 cent drink. How is it the youngest person on this podcast always has like the most old man rants of this podcast? <laughs> that is like so out of left field. I'm just Back saying, man. My, 
I used to be able to take four quarters into a store and get an Arizona iced tea. And then this tax came along. And you know what? I'm not even sure it's brewed in Arizona. <laughs> I want to go to the plant. We want to go to the plant in Arizona and see it happen. All right. Steven, what's your big takeaway from the gas station snack bracket? What's your level of enthusiasm as we start to roll this out? Because, again, this is our Wednesday pod. The first voting will go out to our tech subscribers on Wednesday. First couple matchups, first couple games. And we're just going to continue this voting throughout the NCAA basketball tournament. We'll aim to finish up like first that Monday in April and try to tie to time it up with that. I'm excited, actually, because I'm going to be spending a lot of time at gas stations over the next couple of weeks here if Ohio State can make a run here. Um, starting this weekend, obviously, uh, I'm staying in Indianapolis because that's where everything is based and that's where you know the media hotels and everything are. But Ohio State is playing in West Lafayette, which is about 45 minutes to an hour um, outside of Indianapolis. So I'll be spend I might try some of these other snacks that I maybe go go get away from my go to a little bit just so I can vote and. Be, have a little bit more of an interesting vote. Even like, if you need some typical new county gas station recommendations, I can yeah. I can hook you up. Definitely. We can start Thank doing you. shooting some videos and putting it on our YouTube channel. Uh, Steven testing out all 64 items in the bracket as he covers Ohio State. I just think to myself, you're like, oh, I'm going to be in Indianapolis as long as Ohio State's still in it. Just the idea of like, oh, how long you stay in India? It's like, well, I'm staying in India as long as pretzels are alive. I'm in until pretzels gets knocked out and then I'm going home. Like, just the idea of like, if you were like, it's like, what are you? It's like, I'm the Funyuns beat writer. It's like, oh, how long do you think it'll be? There's like, I don't know. I think they might lose in the first round. So it's like, I only book for two nights. <laughs> it's like, oh, I got to I gotta get my big Funyuns feature out now because I don't know yeah. how long they'll be, they'll be around. Uh, Nathan, what are your snack bracket takeaways? You know, I'm glad we did this as early as we did because now it's lunchtime and I've kind of worked up an appetite doing this. So I get to go eat an actual lunch. I'm worried that if we had done this after lunch, then I would have just gotten snacky. I think it would have still had the same kind of response and I'd be going to, to maybe having to drive to a gas station and, and find some of these snacks. So I'm ready to eat. All right. That's our bracket. Texters, if you want to vote, they're coming your way. If you want to be part of it, 614-350-3315. The winners will advance based on uh, voting by the texters and we will run all the way through and then we'll get to the end and I'll tell you where I had people seated and we'll see if I thought my seeds were good or bad and we'll see if it, a bunch of one seeds end up getting to the final four, a bunch of 15 seeds get to the final four and I had, I had a terrible read on what people like as snacks. All right, basketball and snacks. That was this big Wednesday pod. Spring football is around the corner, though. So we're going to be doing a lot of that. We're going to work in basketball as Stephen continues to cover these guys in Indianapolis. Stephen, when do you actually leave for Indy again? Um, they play at 3 p.m. on Friday, so I'll probably leave about 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning that day and just head straight to the game and check into my hotel after. Okay. Um, and, Nathan, why don't you tell the people you have some – I know you have a C.J. Stroud story up on Tuesday. You've been doing some reporting on the guys involved in this quarterback battle, which is clearly the number one thing that's going to be on everybody's minds for spring football. Yeah, it's, it's kind of just, I think, as I mentioned before, or, or at least I did in the text, about doing sort of a series that gets kind of to the essence of, of where these guys had some inflection points as competitors. Like, where did they have to kind of dig in as far as really competing for something and how that maybe is something they're using now as they compete for this job at Ohio State. So C.J. Stroud talking a little bit about just kind of being the underdog so much early in his career and some of the things he had to overcome. 
Uh, I'm talking about um, a decision that Kyle McCord's family made to uh, in his youth football uh, experience that, that they think maybe paid off down the line uh, with Jack Miller. who's was a guy who switched schools early in his career a couple times and, and sort of the, the competitive um, things that that pushed him to, to do and be. So uh, just trying to kind of come at it from a different angle and get, get at, since this is a competition, where did these guys kind of uh, cut their teeth as competitors? And so coming up on the on Buckeye Talk the rest of this week, this is your big Wednesday pod. The Thursday pod, we're supposed to talk to Ryan Day on Wednesday. So we anticipate that the Thursday pod will be talking a lot about what Ryan Day said, that they will let that guide us. The Friday pod, Buckeye Future Fridays, will be not exactly about recruits. It's going to be about these three quarterbacks. It's going to be about Kyle McCord, Jack Miller, and CJ Stroud. I kind of would like to do about a half an hour on each of them and just break them down who they are, what they play like, how they got here, like almost a reset of their recruitment, of their choice, the type of players that they are. I think it's worth it. I think that will be our Friday pod. And then Saturday, by Saturday, we will have the first day of spring practice on Friday, and we should talk to people afterward. And Ohio State will have played its first game in the NCAA tournament. So we will cover both of those live things that happen on that Saturday weekend pod, we'll react to both things. So Nathan and I will be here for football, and then Stephen will definitely get you on the horn on Friday night to talk about what happened with the Buckeyes against Oral Roberts. We will try to drop in a little bit of an Oral Roberts preview along the way here in the next couple of days, if it works. But it's a busy time, man. we got a lot going on. If it doesn't work, make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU as Stephen Means rolls everything out about this team, the basketball Buckeyes, a number two seed in this tournament, and we all think they have a chance to make a nice little run here in March. All right. That was basketball and snacks. It's a crazy bracket Buckeye talk. We appreciate you guys being part of it. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>